Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is James Lee, a progressive activist based in Houston, Texas, who wants our community to be more inclusive and to consider the use of a new term to describe our gente, Latine. James will talk about how oppression and discrimination in the past has led to a new movement to regain culture and rebuild, starting with our own language. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. More than 60 million Latinos reside in the United States, making up 18.4% of the population. And just like our food, music, and politics, what we call ourselves varies from community to community. Families of immigrants from more than 20 Latin American countries help make up the fabric of this nation. And whether we refer to ourselves as Latin Americans, Afro-Latinos, Tejanos, Louisiana Creole people, Chicanos, Noricans, or several other terms, there is one common thread, the Spanish language. Lately, there's been a move to make our mother tongue more inclusive by removing gender from terms. And there's a new push to call ourselves Latine. It has been widely adopted in Latin America because it's easier to pronounce. Today, we invite progressive activist James Lee to explain the new term, where it came from, and how using it will help others feel welcomed. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine, James Lee, a progressive activist from Texas who lives in um, Houston. And he's been working at several levels of the progressive movement from politics, and now he's moving on to culture. Most recently, advocating the use of the term Latin. Am I saying that right? Latine. Latine. Thank you for correcting me. James, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. It's uh, really great to to talk. Yes, this is a a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I remember writing all the way back in 1992, 93, when I was a college newspaper editor for Our Lady of the Lake University, the Lakefront. And I remember talking to the great Carlos Guerra. He was a Latino, uh, one of the very few his high-profile Hispanic uh, newspaper journalists um, in San Antonio. And I remember we were having the fight between Hispanic and Latino back in that in that time frame. And I remember reaching out to him. And he goes, well, we used to call ourselves Chicano and all that. So he went even, you know, he gave me old school terms that we've been using for such a long time. I'm so excited that we're going to have this conversation around Latine. And before we start that conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, so my name's James Lee. Um, I was born and raised in Brownsville, Texas. Um, so I'm originally from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, if you're not familiar, that's the most southern region of Texas. On the border by the sea. That's where I'm from. <laughs> On the border by the sea. Exactly. <laughs> Um, And so, uh, yeah, I I was born and raised in Brownsville, and um, after high school, I I moved to Houston to attend the University of Houston. Um, And And which uh, high school did you go to? 
I went to Homer Hannah High. <laughs> oh my God. Another Golden Eagle. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Golden Eagles. The Golden Eagles. I was the, the mascot. So I'm oh, the really? uh, class of 89. I know it doesn't show, but it's class of 89. What class <laughs> are you? Uh, I was class of 09. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll let you please continue. Uh, yeah, so uh, I attended the University of Houston, go Cougs, um, and, uh, you know, I graduated with a, a degree in political science. Um, and, uh, you know, during my time at the University of Houston is really when I got um, a little bit more ingrained um, in politics, policy change, um, and, you know, progressive issues in general. Um, you know, now today uh, I work uh, for the state of Texas's largest um, community health center system. Uh, and so I, I work as a government relations manager um, and specifically within the field of, of health care. Um, so it's been a really interesting year um, for me personally on a, on a you know, professional level uh, with the pandemic and everything else going on. Um, but, uh, you know, outside of, uh, my, my work, which is obviously nonpartisan, um, uh, I've been very active and involved, um, in democratic politics, um, since, uh, you know, around the time I was a senior in high school, um, when, you know, at that time, um, it was Senator Obama and, uh, Senator Clinton running against each other for the democratic nomination. Um, and, you know, from there, I just continued and, and um, I really, you know, got involved um, at the University of Houston um, around the issues of LGBTQ equality, um, where there and then um, I worked to first I founded an organization there, a student organization um, that was meant to really focus on LGBTQ policy at the university level for students, for staff, um, everyone. Uh, and so we, we actually accomplished a pretty a big thing at the time, which was changing the university's non-discrimination policy, which was something that was in the works for a long time. A lot of people were trying to get that done, but it, it just, you know, it hadn't been done. Um, so it was an issue that I started working on from an early time and, and, um, was very excited to be a part of. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, um, as I graduated from the University of Houston, um, you know, I think one of the things that sort of inspired me to move into the space of Latino and Hispanic um, sort of policy and politics uh, was, you know, I took a, a course on um, Latino politics. Um, and if, you know, you have any fellow Cougs listening by, uh, my professor was Jeronimo Cortina. Um, and uh, anyway, he, you know, really sort of opened my eyes to sort of, you know, the experiences that our people, our community have faced um, for, you know, decades, centuries, way past, you know, the time in which, um, you know, imperialism sort of gained Texas and, and other states. Um, and, you know, it just sort of opened my eyes to a lot of the issues that our community has faced and, and really um, sort of understand, you know, why my life and lived experience was the way it was growing up in Brownsville um, and why, you know, so many of us experienced um, life as we did, right? Because of the echoes of, of, uh, you know, changes within that region. Um, so what, after, 
What Go a beautiful ahead. journey. I mean, um, I'm just hearing your words of coming of your, and it just brings so much chills to me because it's just like, you could have easily been that party student at UH, but you decided to get involved in so many deep issues and policy issues. I mean, back in my day, I tried to start a LGBT group in my university. And of course it was a Catholic university, so it went nowhere. But luckily you went and did the things that I wish I could have done at my campus, you know, protect the students and protect the staff members. And you got to do that, that's amazing. And you have your studies, you have to work. And to add that extra layer of responsibility to your community to keep on doing and providing that, you know, as a volunteer, amazing. I wanna applaud you for having the enough bandwidth back then to take on those responsibilities Thank and you. helping out the community. So it, it is wonderful. I applaud you for that because it's not that many students want to take on such big projects. You know, they want to be free, be be young, have fun. But thank God for those activists that that keep that keep at it, that keep at it, that that see an injustice and want to fix it. Yeah. So after college, where did you end up? Yeah. Um, so you know, just briefly, uh, you know, I. Um, in as far as the political sphere is concerned, um, you know, I ran two um, political action committees here in Houston. Um, first was the Houston Stonewall Young Democrats, um, and the second uh, was the Harris County Tejano Democrats, um, where I was president in both of those different um, political action committees. So and you were you were the leader of not only the LGBT side but the Latino side as well. Right. Yeah. For for wow, brief, congratulations both, on yeah. that. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, I, I also um, sort of worked my way up to the Texas Democratic Party. And in 2016 was, uh, I ran for Hispanic Caucus State Committeeman um, and won and uh, was committeeman for two terms. And so my term actually expired in, uh, my second term expired in 2019. Um, so, you know, it's been an, it's been an interesting journey um, with, you know, navigating both Latino and Hispanic, um, and LGBTQ, um, sort of issue areas for me, which I, I feel like, you know, have, have been huge, uh, influences on my life, right? These are two communities that I identify with and belong to, and, um, it's, it's been important to me to address issues related to us. So you've been an active member in the Texas Latino community, working with various progressive communities. You're now championing the case for the word Latine. Can you explain the origin of Latine for our listeners? Sure. Um, so let's let's start with just the spelling because I know that we're in an audio uh, format here. So just a, as you're listening and you're wondering how's this spelled, uh, so Latine is spelled L-A-T-I-N-E. Um, so it's just like Latino, Latina, right? Um, the difference is the letter E at the end. So uh, Latina was a term that was created um, by LGBTQ non-binary and feminist communities in Spanish speaking countries. Um, the term uh, you know, has developed on its own um, without regard to the term Latinx, right? A lot of people like to ask me to compare the two terms together. These terms, um, I, you know, they were something that were, that was, um, you know, defined, created um, by 
communities in different places, right? Um, it's not a response to one or, over the other. They grew out of their own. Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Um, so Latina, um, you know, the goal behind Latina is to remove gender from the Spanish word Latino. Um, and the reason why Latina um, has become this alternative uh, is because, you know, there's a lot of words in Spanish um, that end with the letter E um, that can either be masculine or feminine. Um, and so you have examples of that through words like estudiante, right? Which oh. is student. Yeah. Um, it, it ends with the letter E, right? And it's not um, paying um, emphasis or attention to um, either gender, right? It's just student, right? Um, and so you have other words too um, that are in Spanish that um, are gendered, but they're gendered that, that end with the letter E, uh, that are gendered, but they're gendered because of the article that precedes it, right? So el or la, right? Um, like la sangre, right? blood right and that um ends with the letter e but you know the article before it is uh a feminine article right so la um and so you have others other examples too in the masculine form but the idea here right is that um because there is this use of the letter e in in spanish already where it's both used um in gender neutral terms um, and then you see it um, being used with both masculine or feminine without regard to the masculine or feminine being of importance, um, that these young people um, in Spanish speaking countries say, well, this is uh, you know, kind of an obvious alternative um, that works with the language and, and you know, it makes sense, right? Um, and so that's sort of how the term has, has come about. Um, you see it used in many different Spanish speaking countries. Um, now, again, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you talk about the term Latinx here in the United States, right, where um, you see it being used by different communities. Um, often they're younger, maybe sometimes they're more professional communities um, or industries. Um, same kind of situation you're seeing in Spanish speaking countries where Latina is being used by you know, gender queer, queer communities, non-binary, intersectional feminists, um, some corporate communities, right, some industries. Um, and then, of course, you know, um, activist movements um, within different countries. So, you know, I've seen the word used in uh, Spanish-speaking communities in, in Mexico, in Peru, um, in Argentina. Um, you, now it's even, you know, you even see it being used in Spain. Um, and so you're seeing it it come about in all these different spaces. Um, that doesn't mean that, that it's the only word used, right? But um, it's it's um, coming into popularity and people are understanding it. And the thing I you know enjoy most about it is that um, when we talk about issues of gender, um, when we talk about issues of heteronormativity um, for, you know, older generations, um, especially here in the United States, there's a hesitancy, right? There, there's a history of oppression and discrimination against our community. Um, and many people either lived through it or still remember its effects. Um, and me personally, I, you know, those effects of oppression and discrimination have been passed down um, in my family and I still see those effects today, right? Um, for us, for us, it's as simple as, um, you know, my parents 
deciding not to teach us Spanish because um, they were punished in schools for speaking Spanish and they didn't want us to have the same difficulties as we grew up. They wanted us to speak English um, and uh, not have any trouble um, and not get in, into trouble the way that they did um, in schools where they were punished. And they, were, they were physically hit with rulers. Stories. I mean, it was just really sad that our, we got to lose that right to speak our mother language, well, our family's mother language, um, because of the policy of the day, you right. know? And it's really sad because it's just, it's just, I understand us trying to having to use one central language to get by, but it's just when it, it's it's part of your your culture, your family traditions, the name of your foods that you eat, um, the way we worship, you know, to the churches in a certain language. You you steal that from that person, that young person. Right. Absolutely. And so you know, because because of the experiences that you know my parents faced, right? Um, they decided not to pass down the language to us, right? Um, and there are countless other ways in which other families have experienced discrimination um, that they decided to change things, right? Um, and I think the, the, the lesson here, right, for, for older generations is that, you know, now after having experienced this oppression, discrimination, um, there's been, you know, within the past maybe 50, 60 years, um, you know, a movement to regain culture, to preserve culture, um, and to, you know, sort of rebuild almost. Um, and so I think when these generations see, you know, people my age, people younger than me, um, you know, move to terms like Latina or Latinx, um, and start talking about issues of gender equality or um, heteronormativity or just gender itself, um, you know, that kind of gives them pause um, because they think, you know, this is, it, from my perspective, right, what, what I see them um, saying or telling me or the reactions, um, they, they see the move to Latina or Latinx um, as, another one of those things that's that's coming to sort of um, infringe upon the community, the culture, the people, um, and they don't understand, right? And so um, the- and it, There's people that take it like way, like it's almost an affront to the language or something. Sure. Yeah. I remember being at a Capitol Pride um, two years ago in Virginia, promoting our Latino um, civil rights group, uh, LULAC. And I remember we had um, our banner and it said um, LGBT Latinx individuals, you know, big letters, you know, we really wanted to be as inclusive as possible. Latinx was becoming popular. So we used the word. And this drunk lesbian comes up to me whose family's from Spain and she started castigating me or trying to ruin her father's language and how dare you and who gives you the right. And 
I really wanted to just like rebuttal this person, but I never argue with drunk people because you never win because you're just going to give them. It's like adding fuel to a fire. Right. So I just allowed her to speak her piece. And plus, I didn't want to mansplain anything to her. I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to let her say whatever she felt like saying that day and let her move on because I have bigger fish to fry. I needed to sign up members. I did not want to spend a whole afternoon dealing with this drunk person. But it was just like almost a classist thing. She came off as really elitist and I wanted to call her out on that, but I was just sort of like, okay, colonizer, just keep on moving, you know? Um, it's just like, I'm sorry that I offended your pure Castilian blood, you know, how dare I, uh, uh, a new worlder decide to just adopt a new term to call ourselves, you know, right. our community, yeah. right? But it's just, it's it's a lot of like, it's almost like, it's just something like you're, you're trying to change something that's that's always been accepted and they don't allow it to grow, you know? And then, and we got to understand that there's 60 million Latinos in the United States, 60 million. We're 18.4 of the population. We have 20 nationality groups, 22 if you call, count Spain and Brazil in the mix. We're not all going to agree on the same ways to call each other. Yeah. So it's almost all like, it's not like we're, we're awful following one same book of terms. Right. So that's why I love how we're talking about this today. And even yourself, when I say the word Latino or Hispanic, you didn't try to correct me. In in fact, you even used some of, I was surprised that you said, sometimes you said, oh, I worked in the Latino community here. You're not being oppressive about, no, we need to use Latina. And I like that about you because you understand different people have ways of calling our community. There's going to be different ways, you know? And I appreciate that you're taking that that step yeah yeah um but really quickly just i, w- I want to let you know just for your your audience too is i think that the beautiful thing about um latina right f- uh, is that um for these people right that we've just discussed right the, in the in your example right someone who wants to preserve the language in my example people who want to preserve the culture right um the beautiful thing here is that when you present the term latina and its origins to them um, suddenly there's a connection, right? Because um, prior to that, right, they see sometimes, right? Um, the reality is that sometimes there's resistance to the term Latinx because they say, oh, well, X, Y, Z issues, right? Yeah. Um, and, but as you talk to um, people who are somewhat more hesitant to change um, and you introduce Latina, talk about its origins, talk about um, you know its roots in the Spanish language, um, there's suddenly a barrier that's broken down and suddenly yeah. a curiosity. Um, and I think that's where we have to get to have these, these conversations um, is to get to a place of commonality. And I think that Latina opens the door for that conversation to happen um, somewhat more easily. Um, and so that's uh, been my experience. And, and one of the reasons why I think, you know, Latina is such a great alternative. Um, yeah. I want to say that w- like I had mentioned, you're busy on so many levels. I, I follow you on social media, so I know how busy you are. What made you devote time to, um, from your busy schedule to push for this term, to advocate yeah. for this term? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that um, it's just been important for me. Um, hearing, you know, in recent years, you know, 
growing up in the valley, you know, you have different experiences. Um, my experience was, um, you know, our our family in some ways um, was assimilated, right? In some yeah. ways, for example, because of of the language situation I just mentioned a little while ago, and um, in some ways, you know, because of that. Um, my experience growing up in the Valley was people kind of looked at me as someone, an other, an outsider almost, Um, even though my family has roots in the Valley from generations past. Right. And um, so growing up, I always felt some sort of like disconnection um, because I felt like other people were telling me I couldn't be a part of the community. Um, Not only because of my experiences of of not speaking Spanish. Right. Um, but you know, my name is James Lee, um, and that confuses a lot of Hispanic and Latino people, right? <laughs> like, yeah, why? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, just briefly, just so that you're aware in your audience, um, you know, there was a, a Chinese migra- migration into Mexico um, in the 1800s, I believe, and um, so generations passed, right? I'm I'm descendant of both. Uh, Mexicans, right, and people who were Chinese. And uh, so I'm Mexican-American, and that's my, you know, first and foremost identity. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm a descendant of of people in the past, right, my ancestors, some of them. um, And then you were blessed with being queer. Right. Add another mix to this and confuse a lot of people around you growing up. (laughs) Right. So so identity for me um, has always been very strange and confusing. Um, And I think that um, as we talk more and more about issues of race and culture, um, and as you know, you hear more, more and more, um, the use of of Latinx um, by um, people in in academia, people in the media, people um, in politics, um, and uh, other communities, you know, I, I keep thinking to myself, um, you know, there's sort of a push um, by people outside of our community to name us, right? Um, and a rush to name us for some reason. Um, and discomfort with um, the diversity that's found within the Latino and Hispanic community. Um, and so, you know, my my hope here, right, with what I'm doing, um, I I created um, a, a entity called um, Call Me Latine. Um, my hope here with Call Me Latine is to reintroduce the conversation to people um, from the perspective of, you know, we have rich diversity within our community, um, and there are many terms, um, and so. What I hope um, people take away from Comi Latina is, um, you know, that there there is a lot of diversity and that outsiders, right? So people who who don't identify as Hispanic, Latino, Afro Latino, you know, what whatever other various identity within our community, if you're outside of that community, my hope is that they see us and they understand that they have played a role in naming us in the past and they continue to play a role in naming us today when they use one term over the other. Um, and so that's that's one one piece there. But the other piece is that um, 
as someone who struggled with identity for the entirety of my life, um, especially as a queer person, right? Um, I hope that Call Me Latina is a resource um, and a place and space to build community and uplift other people who identify as queer, non-binary or intersectional feminist. Um, because that that is at the core of, of what we're doing here, whether you identify as Latinx or Latina or something else um, that's an alternative to these two terms. Um, the, the intention, right, is to bring our issues and bring us to the forefront and say, we're here too, we matter. Um, and you need to pay attention to our issues also, because if you're not paying attention to us, you're not paying attention to community. So um, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that Call Me Latina um, brings back that focus on the original intention, because now we have so many people who are arguing um, about a letter without talking about the people it's supposed to represent. Yeah, I, 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 when I'm hearing you, it just reminds me of the stuff that, why I got into all of my progressive, because I wanted to be a bridge builder between the Latino community, Latine community, and the LGBT community to find some sort of common cause, be that bridge between these two. And now you're taking it, I feel like you're doing the same type of work, but you're taking it to a next level, which is really needed about including the non-binary person, the, the trans person. Yeah. Or do we ever need it? You know, our culture needs to embrace um, these various communities within the L LGBT community. LGBTQ community, because there's so much disrespect and hate crimes. Um, and it's just almost like we need to stick up for each other and, and accept each other uh, as family. You know, yeah. familia is familia, regardless, regardless of who they are, how they are, who they are, we must love them. We must love them. We cannot throw them out of our family. And um, it's beautiful that you're, you're giving us space and, 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 and an additional name to, to give some sort of humanity to the, to the community. That's what it's, it's all about humanity and respect. And I appreciate that you're working towards that. Let's talk about the reaction to your campaign. Yeah. What, what, um, you've taken it online. What has been the pros and cons about it? Sure. So um, let's talk about the origin story here. Okay. Um, so uh, in September, I believe, September 2020, um, last fall, uh, you know, the conversation in 2020 was largely focused on the, the census, right? Um, and so, oh my gosh, there were so many articles and so much attention placed on the word Latinx. Um, and, you know, one day I just, I had had enough of like people arguing about it online. Yeah. Um, and uh, I decided to create a Facebook post for my friends, just my friends, right? Yeah. Saying, hey, look, you know, I understand um, the grievances that you have with the term Latinx. Um, and for those of you who don't understand, um, know, I want you to know what you're doing, right? By naming us. Um, but the intention behind my post was to introduce my friends to the term Latina um, and help them understand its origins and, and why it was important to me and me asking my friends, my community, um, if they're going to call me anything to call me Latina, because that's what felt right for me. 
Um, and that's how I signed it off, right? It was a, a Facebook post relatively short um, uh, with the sign off, sign off saying, call me Latina. Um, and it took off like crazy. Uh, I'm not a person who has, you know, viral social media, but, um, you know, by the end of the day, um, after everything was said and done, you know, that post explaining what the term Latina was and why I believed it was best for me, um, had received over 4,000 shares and a whole lot of comments, um, and connected me to so many people I never would have met or spoken to otherwise. Um, and there were both good and bad responses. And, and, and that's a good thing. I wanted people to, I wanted to introduce this to people, but it was good to me also that it got people talking, right? Um, I want people to talk about the diversity in our community, right? Because they want to put us into a box and we're more than that. Um, but the beautiful thing about it was that I had so many different young people from different parts of the country and even outside of the country who were sending me messages saying, oh my God, I just read your post. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I've never understood how to, to word, you know, what I was thinking, but I just talked to my parents. I told them about um, Latina and, you know, we finally connected. They understood me. Um, and that was very special to me. Um, on the opposite side of things, you know, you have people who think that this is just a conversation about language and uh, sort of, you know, uh, being sort of like a grammar person who's very strict or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not about that. And, and, and it's not putting words in competition with other words. It's right. Just, just like we want to be called a certain way. You know, we should be able to be called another way if we feel that this is the more appropriate term for us. Right. So just yeah. using the same train of thought. Correct. Yeah. So because of the response, you know, I, I said to myself, I don't see anyone else doing this. No one else is talking about this. Um, and someone's got to do this. Right. I, I for for many years now, um, at least five years, you know, I've been sharing the word Latina with people. But um, as, as far as I've looked online, um, I found no resources for people um, in English um, from a United States perspective, right? Um, and so I decided to create callmelatina.com, um, which now serves as a resource dedicated specifically to introducing people to the term Latina, going over the frequently asked questions about the term, the identity, um, and then also introducing people to um, the, the additional step, which is for some people, right? We just talked about transgender, we talked about non-binary. Um, for trans and non-binary Latinas um, or Hispanic and Latino people, um, sometimes it's also important to go the extra step and try to remove gender from Spanish conversation. Um, now that's not for everybody and that's not the intention um, behind Call Me Latina. It's not to get people to uh, speak Spanish without gender, um, but it is, uh, I do provide um, you know, the steps to be able to, to go on that journey if that's something that's important to you um, and your self-expression, right? 
Um, so it, it's Kami Latina is, is both a, a resource and a language resource and, um, you know, frequently asked questions, but it's also um, a place in which I discuss a lot of issues of relevance to these three communities, right? Non-binary, queer, and intersectional feminist communities. Um, and so what I've done with that is, is I've created um, spaces online, on, most often um, through Instagram, um, but we're also on Facebook, we're also on Twitter, um, and uh, soon to be on TikTok. Um, but we're creating um, community online, especially at this time during the pandemic. Um, but even when all of us are stuck at home on our computers. Right, yeah. It's probably the best time to do it. <laughs> yeah, but but even outside of that, right? When you think about our community specifically, these these three communities that I just mentioned, yes. um, it's it's kind of somewhat hard for us all to connect um, for whatever reason, right? Maybe you're living in a small town. Maybe you're That's true. Um, someone who who wants to connect with other other people like yourself who live in Spanish-speaking countries, you don't know how. Well, I'm trying to create a space um, for us to have those conversations, to lift up other people um, who, who whose voices should be shared. So has anything surprised you, the term Latina being used on a certain platform? You're like, wow, we made it there. It caught on. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, um, I, I wanna say that um, within the past year, I've seen, more articles about alternatives to the term Latinx. And um, while, while sometimes those, those articles might be problematic, um, in some ways um, exposure, right, to what we've been talking about, right, the diversity of, of identity within our community, um, I think is a good thing. Um, you know, I've seen uh, Remezcla, uh, um, I've seen Me Too, I've seen Washington Post, I've seen New York Times, um, I've seen a bunch of just different news sources start um, to introduce the term Latina or to flat out just use the terms interchangeably, um, which I think is, is one of the best solutions here for uh, those who, who feel some sort of tension. Um, you know, it is using identities interchangeably as you speak, as you discuss things, um, because in, in that way you're being inclusive. We all know that there's it, we're an umbrella community. Um, and I think using our different identities um, is, is a good thing. And, um, you know, from a personal uh, point of view, I, I did, you know, have a problem with the word Latinx for a while. Um, but as I've been moving into this space of Call Me Latina and what we're trying to achieve, I've realized why, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I think I think the important thing is to, for me, right, um, is self identity, and that that is very important um, for all of us. Whether you identify as Latinx um, or Latina, Latinu is even one of the other alternative terms, um, or anything in between, right? Um, our individual identities. The, the decision to have a personal or an individual identity is a very personal decision, right? Um, and we should respect that. What do you hope to accomplish by all this five years from now, 10 years from now? You know, um, we'll see if Call Me Latina um, lasts that long. I, I, hope, I hope so. I hope that Call Me Latina um, really does create a space for our community to come together 
um, and, and specifically bring the attention back to, you know, to intersectional feminists, non-binary people, to queer people, because so much of the conversation has moved away from our three communities um, when the intention really is to highlight, um, you know, all of the things that we are struggling with, whether it's, you know, wage discrimination or it's uh, sexual violence or it's gender violence or, um, you know, it's heteronormativity in the workplace, who knows what, right? There's so many different things affecting these three communities. And my intention behind Call Me Latina is to highlight these issues, to provide a space for us to come together um, as a community, share experiences, and lift each other up. So for more information about the term Latina, the community you created, where can listeners go to read more about it? You mentioned a website. Yeah, um, please visit callmelatina.com. Um, follow us on Instagram at callmelatina, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and TikTok, all the same handles. Um, and uh, please, you know, get in touch if you'd like to share your story. That's what we're all about. James, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this beautiful uh, journey that you're on with Latina. And I hope you don't just stop at this. I hope there's more stuff that you're going to be doing in life because you're the type of person that we need, the ambassador that we need, that is going to bring both the LGBTQ community and Latina community together to do some great stuff and and build on this progressive movement that we need in Texas. Do you plan to stay in Texas? Because we need more more people like you in Texas. I do, yes. This is my home. Native Texan. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it.